Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership and Business Development Solutions. Uh, this morning, we are very excited to continue on with our three-part series from uh, the Center of Community Counseling with one of their local experts that is uh, helping us understand what we're facing as a community in this time of pandemic. Today, we uh, have featured Jonathan Davies. I'll begin with Jonathan's bio. Our John Davies, PhD, is a nationally recognized speaker on men's health issues. He is the founder of the University of Oregon's Men's Center and the McKenzie River Center in Eugene. The mission of both these centers are to help men lead healthier lives and reduce violence, particularly violence towards women. A licensed psychologist, John has provided individual and group counseling and counselor training for over 30 years. He has also written many articles on men's health. Good afternoon, John. Thank you for your time. Mark, thank you for, so much for inviting me here. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, we, are, we know that we are in this time of pandemic that, has, that is causing uh, significant stress on men, women, and children, on families, on the unhoused, on those struggling with addiction issues, those that are working, those that aren't working, those that are business owners, those that aren't business owners, our first-line responders, in some form or fashion, everyone is suffering. Schools have been canceled, graduations have been canceled, universities are closed. So many things going on around us and we are hurting as people and we're getting to the point, of almost a saturation point, it feels like, John, where people are really starting to attack one another on social media, in our communities, uh, on families, friends, neighbors, people yes. are getting edgy and quite yes. frankly, it's starting to feel a little dangerous. Yes, yes. And so your area of expertise, I think, is very critical because you emphasize and focus on how men contend with these types of stressors, what to look for, how we can protect ourselves to protect others, to respond in ways that are proactive and constructive and positive. And I think we really need to have a healthy conversation around these things. And especially now with the with the liberate this state or liberate that state, and people are now showing up with guns and, you know, I, I'm not anti-Second Amendment, but I also am a former professional soldier and, and I don't necessarily agree with an overt display of, of uh, the need to show strength or violence if it's not a state of war. So yes, just one yes. man's opinion. And I know there's a lot of people that would disagree with that, but personally, it feels a little dangerous. And I'd like to have a very healthy conversation with you today, led by you around what we're seeing from your expertise, from your background, from your training, what are we looking at and what can we do to make a positive impact? Yes. Well, Mark, I, I think you really alluded to what's going on here is that people feel very pinned in and there's a lot of anxiety and frustration anyway. Mm -hmm. And underneath that, Mark, underneath anger and perhaps the potential for violence is fear. Mm -hmm. Is that we're all feeling fear and many of us are not totally aware of the total emotional impact of the violence of the of the virus that's how that how that is affecting us mm -hmm. but that is is the underlying factor in many of the emotions that we are experiencing today 
now in regards to men, you know, first of all, the things we're talking about today are things that all genders experience. Yes, but, but there are particular issues with men because of the way we're socialized that the virus is, is impacting in men in somewhat unique ways. Some of these ways uh, are the result of our socialization to be independent, to be aggressive, uh, to be in control, mm -hmm. uh, and to, uh, uh, to not need help from anybody, it's, which is just the totally opposite of what this time period requires of us. So for us to be, uh, many of us to be stuck at home, to be, be working more closely with, with families, well, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And certainly an opportunity for uh, greater family closeness. It's also a danger that we can also be, become more irritated with each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that irritation can, can, can escalate into something that uh, we don't want to see happen. Mm -hmm. so, so I think for us men, I think being aware of our emotions and paying more attention to them is a really key to this. I use an analogy of uh, either taking a temperature or looking at once. If, if you think of the old old cars, we should have a temperature gauge, mm -hmm. and you'd be able to look at that temperature gauge and you know how hot how hot your car is running, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're moving too far to close to that red line, you knew you needed to slow down or 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 pull over for a while to let that engine cool down. Right. Well, we we men we need that kind of temperature gauge for us to be able to be, to be aware of of how much heat we are carrying. Yes. Uh, I know for myself, I'm a pretty mellow, easygoing guy. Yet I found myself since the virus started, I found myself being more and more irritable, mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily expressing that outward, but I'm certainly feeling that internally. Mm -hmm. And what that warns me about is that I need to be careful. That red light is kind of blinking for me, mm -hmm. and I need to make sure uh, that I that I pause before I say things, so that I don't become react to situations and overreact to them. So, Yeah, we seem to be polarizing around the ongoing argument of it's real, it's a hoax. It's severe, it's not that bad. Yeah, lots of people are dying, but they're not really dying from COVID, they're dying from other things. Real news, fake news. Our government officials are honest. Our government officials are dishonest. Um, some companies are still thriving. Some are not. I mean, there's just so much going on, and we we are amassing towards our polarized perspective. And you can out here, you can really feel that is getting amped up significantly. And you know, where people are showing up at our state capitals armed and demanding that things be changed. I don't know, I'm not a licensed medical professional. Uh, you know, we are we are struggling. I lost you on camera, but we'll keep talking. Hopefully you'll be able to come back. You might have hit your uh, video, uh, retap that on your phone. And um, we, we have a lot that we have to continue to navigate to stay stable and have a measure of smoothness to our mindset. Yes, uh, and I'm... 
Do you see the little video camera on your phone, John? I'm, uh, I am losing it. Uh, let's see here. I'm here. Uh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, this is a time period when we do not, and I repeat, we do not need to be polarized. And I know that that, that tends to be that way, but we are truly all in this together. Mm -hmm. And the people that are dying, the 70,000 people that have died in the United States, they're not all Republicans or all Democrats or all independents. They're all of this. We are all at risk. We're all being affected. We're all being laid off. We're all being furloughed. Uh, these things are happening to all of us. And I really think we need to take a community perspective of what's best for our families and mm -hmm. communities. And it's not best for our family, mm -hmm. families and communities for us to be polarized, for sure. Uh, we need to be thinking about what our community needs from us and, and, and our families need from us mm -hmm. in order to, to be safe and to be healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are some of the things, if I may, if you, what, you know, I know there's, I want to be careful, but what are some of the emotions that you're hearing, some of the things that you're experiencing from clients or that you're aware of in your training by observation or interactions with others? What are some of the danger signals that, that you're hearing and seeing right now that you're perceiving to be real and true? Well, one of the things, uh, first of all, I want to say that I work with a lot of men who happen to be socially isolated. Mm -hmm. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Because uh, oftentimes people who are socially isolated uh, are also very self-critical of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so to be with, to be kind of in the same room with yourself, and, and if you are a self-critical person, then it's, in essence, you are engaged in a relationship with an abusive person yeah. <laughs> that's being overly critical for you. So it, this is really a time period for us to be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. and, and that means, first of all, to, to be kind to each other, we need first to be kind to ourselves. And it's very important to be able to do that. Uh, there are a lot of warning signs. Uh, one is social isolation. You're isolating yourself too much. Uh, increase in, in uh, drug and alcohol use. You know, I've heard reports, uh, some of the uh, liquor stores sales are, are, are really high up. Uh, and that's, and that's a danger, particularly when people are carrying a lot of fear, uh, not being able to sleep. I hear a lot of people complain about not being able to sleep. There's common factors of people having bad dreams, mm -hmm. having nightmares, and having very odd or unusual dreams. And again, I think this is, this is the, uh, as a result of the fear that is going on inside of us and is going, going through us. All of our emotions, I think probably around this time period can pretty much be uh, understood in terms of fear. Mm -hmm. Yet we often experience that as anger. You know, it's interesting, Mark, for the way men are socialized is that uh, for men, the only uh, acceptable emotion to express is anger. Mm -hmm. And so often our, many of our other feelings, our grief, our loss, uh, our depression, comes out as actually as being anger. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, anytime we're experiencing anger, we need to really take a look at that and say, what's going on underneath there? And am I feeling some fear? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some of the other things men are taught is to, uh, is to not show one's vulnerability. Right. So it's, it's against manhood, traditional uh, uh, stereotypes of manhood, to even admit one feels fear. Yet, yet what human being would not be feeling fear right now? I mean, we see, we see healthy people uh, who are dying. We see, we see unhealthy people who, who can survive. We, the truth is we really don't know uh, whether we would survive the virus or not. Mm-hmm. We may go through that with flying colors or we may end up with serious illness and yet possibly even death. Mm-hmm. And that could happen for our family members as well. So there's a great deal of uncertainty. And, and to be able to cope with that, we need to understand, first of all, that, that a lot of our feelings are really based on fear. Mm-hmm. And, and to just acknowledge, yes, I am feeling afraid. And I am worried about these things. can help alleviate. Uh, you know, I run several men's groups. And we're helping men uh, cope with uh, many different feelings. And it's amazing that, and, and myself included, we keep forgetting that our feelings, whatever, thing, whatever we're feeling right now is being magnified um, by, by the virus and by our concerns and fears about it. So any normal uh, irritations or, or issues that we have are getting intensified mm-hmm. by this backdrop of the virus. Yet often we forget that that, that virus and the, the effects of that are, uh, are affecting our ability to, to cope and increasing our emotional reactions to things. Well, I think it's really important what you just said that our feelings, whatever they are, they're being magnified and intensified. And a lot of those, okay, I'm mad, but really what we're, we are is afraid. We're mad because I can't work. We're mad because I can't earn a paycheck. Right. We're mad right. because I got laid off. We're mad because I'm That's right. We're mad because no, my tenants can't pay rent. I, I'm, I'm mad, but really what it is can also be is I'm afraid that I don't have enough income in to pay my bills That's right. buy for my family to pay the mortgage or the rent or the vehicle or what do you mean we have to go to go to that food line at that church to get food? Yes. You know, yes. Why, why do I have to do that? And, and yes. what, what do you mean we don't have enough money to pay our utility bills or yes. you know, what is going on? I, I'm working. This shouldn't be happening. And and I, I know that I'm a little animated, but I'm just seeing so much of this. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Absolutely. That people are going to start imploding and then exploding. And then yes. we're going to have, uh, you know, very dangerous situations for for people in, in how they are trying to come back together as a community. Because this is not going away. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, if, if this is all a lie, then that's the grandest hoax ever played on humanity by every government official at every level across the you know the united states and the world so this is this is real people are dying yes and and this is hard and people are grieving and they don't know how to grieve that's right that's exactly right if you're men you don't talk about this there's other emotional factors that you have to deal with that are just part of the human condition all by itself, just being a human says, I get mad, I get scared, I get sad, I get hurt, I feel immobilized, 
I feel terrified, I feel lost, I don't know what to do. So if I see you and you say something to me that I don't like, I can solve it all by punching you in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And that's why we want, luckily, Mark, luckily, most people who are around and the majority of people are, yes, they're experiencing these feelings, but they have them in check mm -hmm. and, and they're watching themselves and they're also able to put themselves in the shoes of the other person. Mm -hmm. So most people are walking around and even though they're carrying extra emotions, they have the ability or the potential to be aware enough of their feelings, mm -hmm. not to light that fire that's going to, to light that gasoline can that's going to explode. So, uh, so, you know, I just, there was an example on the, about a, a, an argument that erupted on a, on, a, on a plane, and the plane had to land prematurely uh, to cope with this deal, but the, uh, this, this uh, eruption, but the majority of the passengers were well-behaved, mm -hmm. and they were able to calm down whatever was happening and eventually take control from that. So, so, so there's both, there's things to be very concerned about, and I also see great hope that we will, we will be able to get through this, but we need to, to, to not uh, polarize ourselves, but really realize that we really are truly all in this together. And, and one of the points you made earlier, Mark, when it's something I hadn't mentioned yet, besides the feeling of fear that, that really hits us so hard, it's a feeling of loss of control. Mm -hmm. And for men, we are taught that we are supposed to be in control. And this virus has very uh, uh, loudly <laughs> taught us and it's screaming in our ear that we are not in control. Uh, and that has a great impact. And we know business, businesses that have worked their tails off now are having to close their doors for no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. uh, people are getting furloughed through no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. People are getting illness uh, who, who don't, you know, through no fault of their own. So there's a lot of things that are happening right now that we have a little or no, no control over. And that then adds into our fear and also our frustration. Mm -hmm. And particularly for us as men, uh, we were taught that specifically we're supposed to be in control mm -hmm. and we're supposed to, you know, if, if we do good things, we're going to get rewarded for them. But this isn't always happening right now with, with, the, with the situation with the virus. What about, what was our, you know, I, I believe that, one of the good things that can come out of this is this, the realization that all of us have to confront about our own lifestyles and how we've been living. And maybe we were too overextended with our financial commitments. Maybe we were not uh, thoughtful enough about how much money we did or didn't have in savings. Maybe we're not consistent with our daily disciplines of whatever it is, wherever it applies in life. And this puts us in a position to say, okay, let me look at all of this. Maybe I was, as a developer, way too ex uh, extended on too many properties all at one mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Maybe I am trying to afford a house that I really can't uh, afford. You know, just mm -hmm, a lot of mm -hmm. things that I think that we can look at and step back and say, okay, all things considering, what what do I need to learn in this time of pandemic? So when we come out of this, and we will, at some point, things will pick up, we'll begin to move forward. We can start taking some, some corrective actions to preserve and protect ourselves in the future. 
Yeah, I, Mark, I, I think you, you really nailed it on the head. And I think there is going to be some very positive things that come out of this. Uh, and, and you named many of them right there. Kind of a re-examining of ourselves and what is really most important and how can we be more prepared for these things in the future. Uh, but but I think, I think to, you know, I think what a lot of people are finding, one is kind of going back to the basics. I just talked to my granddaughter and they're, they're really fighting with low, low income issues. And uh, they went out and, uh, uh, and they bought flour and they bought uh, makings for bread and they're, they're making bread at home right now. And they're proud of themselves and they feel more self-sufficient because they're doing these things as a result of things that they would have never done if it hadn't been for the virus. Our environment is clearing up a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, we're having a little bit less air pollution. So there are, there's definitely some good things. I hear people valuing friendships more and valuing uh, relationships with family members. Uh, I talked to somebody last night that said, since, since the virus hit, that their family, even though they're spread apart throughout the United States, they're getting together more on, on, on phone, regular phone calls every week. Mm -hmm. Stuff that we weren't doing before. So, uh, so there, there is a lot of potential in looking at our values and what's most important to us and, and, and our values around money. It, you know, and is, is that the only measure of success that we have? And, mm -hmm. and can, can we conserve a little bit with money and still be okay and still live joyous lives? Mm -hmm. You know, ironically, you know, they, they've done studies about who was the most happiest. And certainly happiness is not really based on research uh, with, with those that have the most money. You know, there's not really, yes, it's, it's terrible to be, to, to live in poverty. Uh, but on the other hand, happiness is not based on how much money people have. So, mm -hmm. And the more we learn about that, I think the, the happier we have the potential of becoming. Yes. Uh, let me uh, move in a different direction now, because all that's true. Everything you said was true. Let's talk about how your counseling practice, your emphasis, your expertise is moving, trying to work with men to help men move away from violence. And I think this is a critical part of the conversation right now with the amount of men lining up with weapons, demanding the economy is open back up, whatever it is. You know, I'm a former professional soldier. My father was uh, three tours of combat, two foreign wars. All my brothers are veterans. One of my sisters is a veteran. And I just think it's important that there's something going on when we lose uh, our sense of self into a position that's so significant that we're, we're prepared to put on a bandana with a loaded weapon, with a vest. I know it's open carry, it's within the law. I'm not trying to say it's unlawful. I'm talking about the potential consequences and what some of those indicators might mean and how we could, as men, we could be driving towards uh, violence for the wrong reasons and not even know it. Yes, yes. And again, that starts, that starts with self-awareness and it's being aware of oneself and one's own and one's own anger and one's fear. Uh, one of the things we've learned about running men's groups that uh, while men are reluctant to seek help, when they come, they enjoy the opportunity 
to share their feelings and concerns with other people. Mm-hmm. And when they get connected with other people, they feel uh, less, less lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think they're more at, less apt to, to commit acts of violence. And let me back up a little bit. While most men are not violent, mm-hmm. most acts of violence are committed by men. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we need to know both parts of that. That most men are not violent, but that most acts of violence in the world today and in the United States is committed by men. So we need to take some responsibility for that as a gender. You know, you and I are brothers mm-hmm. in a sense, and we're here to create a healthier and safer. Uh, community for our for our loved one for ourselves and for our loved ones and we need to make sure that we're treating each other and accepting each other as brothers and sisters and and really kind of developing a sense a sense of connection mm-hmm. part of that is the first thing is it's is learning specific skills like being able to take one's emotional temperature right uh, and check checking in with oneself and, and kind of unpacking feelings of anger and irritation uh, to, to get to the, the more basic elements of our emotions, which again is fear, loss of control, uh, feelings of being inadequate, uh, feelings of being put down. These are the things that many men respond to, if they feel put down, they're going to come back and they're going to come back forcefully. Uh, so we need to avoid putting men in situations where they feel like their ego or their livelihood or their uh, masculinity is being attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the th- one of the reasons why men, uh, you know, so while men, ha- first of all, men make a lot of contributions to our society. They also have some struggles. And some of those struggles include uh, having a shorter lifespan mm-hmm. than w- women do. And there's no biological reason for that. The primary reason is because our socialization to avoid taking care of ourselves, uh, to, to only show emotion through aggression, and to avoid uh, health seeking. And so what we try to work out in the groups is for people to feel more comfortable with basically helping each other. Mm-hmm. So one of the things studies they've done about men's help seeking is about the idea about reciprocity, which is about giving back. Mm-hmm. So a lot of men are uncomfortable with seeking help, but if they know there's an opportunity, opportunity to reciprocate, mm-hmm. to give back, they're more apt to, to, uh, to accept that help. So for example, Mark, if, if you and I are both farmers, uh, we might be reluctant to keep, take help from each other but if I knew that you were going to come over and help me with my farm this weekend, and then I was going to come over to your farm next weekend and work on your farm, we'd be much more apt to accept help from each other mm-hmm. because there's an opportunity to give back. And so what we want to do in counseling relationships, and this happens with men's groups, is not only is the facilitator providing guidance and wisdom, every group member is there both receiving and also giving and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. So it's a really sense that we're all brothers, we're in this thing together. And I think that really helps, helps men feel more connected and makes them less likely to commit violence. So. What are some of the, um, this might seem like a 
simple question, but <clears throat> there's a lot of confusion out there these days. What are some of the trigger, not necessarily triggers, but warning signs a, a, a man specifically should be looking for when he's trying to keep himself, you know, maybe under control or self-restrained, but he knows that something, something is definitely bubbling up and something is starting to feel very wrong. What should he be looking for and what can he do about it? <clears throat> well, the one thing, and I noticed this in myself, any fantasies I have, you know, like if I'm feeling irritated and I have a fantasy, gee, I want to ye yell back at that store clerk, you know, I may not do that, but I have a fantasy of wanting to do that. That's a tip off for me that I'm carrying heat. Mm -hmm. I'm packing heat. I'm packing, packing anger. And that makes me, and so what I do when I'm aware that I'm packing heat is I take a step back and I look inside myself and try to be thought more thoughtful and that opened my mouth first before I think. Okay. So, uh, so watching for these warning signs, uh, actually, you know, maybe getting more irritated, maybe yelling at somebody, maybe getting in an argument with your, with your partner or your wife. Uh, maybe uh, overly uh, criticizing your your children, for example, mm -hmm. or uh, you know these are warning signs that you're you're packing heat. And the idea is those are the times you want to pull back, withdraw, take care of your, take some deep breaths, take care of yourself. So that may be a time uh, for you to so uh, so you're in the house with your wife, and you, maybe the two of you start arguing. Maybe that's the time. I say, let's take a time out and I'm going to go for a walk uh, uh, and, and remove yourself for a while while you gain some distance mm -hmm. and some self-awareness of what's going on for you. It, 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 and so some questions you can ask is, uh, am, I worried, am I worried about uh, saying something that's going to upset my children or, or my wife or my my friends or the people out in the community. Mm -hmm. And if I worry about that, then that's a sign also that I need, I need to, to really kind of check in with myself and do some internal work. We, we all ought to be aware of some things that we can do that reduces our anger or anxiety or fear. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, uh, a couple of things I do is I play guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I, in fact, this morning, I went out and I sat on my front, front step and I played guitar for an hour. Uh, and that was a very helpful to reduce my anxiety and make me feel more centered. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple, two weekends ago, I went fly fishing out and uh, by myself and went fly fishing out on the Willamette. And it was just fantastic to spend a couple hours out there. I'm scheduling time with friends. We go, we go out, we keep our social distance. Maybe we walk on the bike path. Uh, maybe I walk out by Clearwater uh, Park out there in, in Springfield and just spend time, some time with people and in, in, in reconnecting with people in ways that you're also maintaining your social distance and being safe. Uh, my, my neighbor likes to play guitar. And so a couple of days ago, uh, he brought his chair over and we sat 10 feet apart in the uh, in my driveway. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we sang and, and played a little bit together. And it was, it was really a lot of fun. It helped us blow off some steam. Uh, so, so anyway, these are, th 
very important for us to take care of ourselves first. You know, so often men are taught uh, to take care of others first. Mm -hmm. And while that's important, it's really even more important, particularly if you're low energy or you're, uh, you're, you're, you're packing anger, is to take care of yourself first and then work on engaging with your family members so you can be helpful to them. Now, if a man feels low energy for, for the most part, a lot of people um, might, might have the same mindset, but you're just being lazy. Get up, do something. Do something about it. What are you going to do? You're just going to sit around and do nothing all day? What are you going to do with yourself? Be responsible. Take care of this stuff. But I know that sounds strong, but that's how we, we that's how I talk to myself, John. Yes, yes, you know, I'm yes. I'm a former soldier, yes. so I can tell you all those years of military conditioning, do not show fear. Do not show weakness. Yes. Do yes. not show intimidation. Yeah, yeah. Do not let them uh, have power over you. That was in the infantry and combat arms, so you had to lead from the front. And so, so quite frankly, some of those characteristics were, were vital when you're out in the middle of in, in the jungle or the mountains or the desert, having the ability, you're navigating, you've got all yes. the of these soldiers with you. You have to be confident and self-assured and brave. And But at the same time, it's 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 uh, it can be... Um, very weakening, if that's the correct expression. Yes, yes, yes. It, in certain environments, like in a war environment, it can be a strength mm -hmm. for for a short period of time to to deny one's fear and to continue on and to be stoic. But in the long run, that can also those habits can also harm us mm -hmm. and keep us from doing what we need to do to to take care of ourselves. So for sure, that socialization about how we present ourselves as men. The example you used is the example uh, you know, of being critical of yourself. We all have a critical voice mm -hmm. inside of ourselves. And it's important to temper that critical voice uh, with, with some also some positive voices mm -hmm. and to be less critical. What you're raising there, everybody I talk to who's dealing with the virus tell me it takes them twice as long to do things and it takes twice as much energy. Yeah. And to me, it's like whipping, uh, whipping a hungry horse, you know, a horse that's starving to be self-critical. You're whipping, you're whipping this, this horse whose, whose ribs are showing through their skin mm -hmm. and it doesn't do any good. You're not going to get more performance out of the horse by whipping it particularly if they're uh, not malnourished mm -hmm. you know so we really need to be more we really have to watch ourselves talk and recognize that gee you know there's a part of me that wants to to do just what just what you did and criticize myself and about being lazy and stuff but the other part of me needs to recognize hey we are all going through a tough time right now and it's sapping our energy and so whatever we're doing takes more energy to do so I need to back off myself and to set goals that are more realistic, mm -hmm. given that this time period of being exhausted from the underlying emotions and fear that we're feeling. I also want to point out that you, the way you t talk to yourself, you probably wouldn't talk to your daughter like, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You probably wouldn't be, you probably wouldn't be that critical. Uh, and so you want you want to talk to yourself like you would talk to one of your children, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, you know, when here we are in this new strain environment and this new strain setting of now parents having to homeschool. And, you know, and I shared with Nassim and, and uh, Patricia moments when, as the homeschooling process began, how I didn't, how I was re really struggling with the emotional demand to play this new role that I was had not been required, and yes, and I resorted to military thinking and military training, yes, and military verbiage as a military trainer, military teacher, explanation, demonstration, practical application, explanation. I kept telling her, explanation, demonstration, practical application. I don't understand why you don't understand. I've already shown you. I've shown you one time here, one time here, one time here. And all of a sudden it hit me like, where's this coming from? Why am I doing this? And I realized yeah. it was all those ingrained patterns of what I knew. Yes. And it was still part of who I am. And then yes. I to find a way to temper that. And then I started feeling weak because I had this methodology of communicating that was not good for the, the setting at hand, but it was still such a part of who I am. All of a sudden, yes. it necessitated yes. all over again. Yes, yes, yes. And again, it's, a, it's a, in part, it's about being in control. And it's, it's how do I use power with my children, which is different. Using your power in the, in the military mm -hmm. is different than using, you, using your power with your children. Uh, it's a different dynamic. And the, the, the importance part of the, of the teaching and the learning, like particularly with children, is about the relationship yeah. and about being connected, being respected, being loved, being heard, uh, uh, these things. But we often revert to, uh, to issues that make us feel more powerful and in, to be in control, uh, when sometimes what we really need to work on is the relationship and making, feel, making sure they feel uh, uh, loved and connected. Mm -hmm. And then not being soft with them, but, 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 but uh, you, you know, holding them accountable for their learning but also providing a lot of support and encouragement. Yeah. Your, your, uh, hand, your hand's in the camera, John. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, just, and I realized as we're talking that some of it wasn't necessarily about power as it was a, a sense of, I think I know what I'm doing and I'm realizing I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. And now I feel really bad. And then I start shutting down because obviously, you know how men talk, I'm incompetent, I'm incapable. Right. I'm not smart enough to do this. You know, I, I even I was told uh, Patricia in, in the interview that I even emailed the school to say, so what if I don't do it? You're the teacher, not me. This is your responsibility, not not mine. Well, why do I care? All, mm -hmm. of, a sudden, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I have this new role that I'm failing at, and that yes. I shouldn't be failing at because I'm a man, and I shouldn't be failing at because I'm yes. a father, and I shouldn't be. You know, the, those messages. You shouldn't be failing because of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But guess what? You still feel like you're failing. So the yes. automatic response mechanism is just to sh shut down, shut up, sit down, and let it go. Yes. In, yes. in an unhealthy way. Just I'm talking about emotional disconnectedness because you don't understand what's happening. As a man, that's what I was feeling, and I didn't know yes. what to do about it. So it kept making it worse every day. Yes, yes. And I, I think you're not alone, Mark. Mm -hmm. I think many, uh, many parents uh, are finding that those same issues 
coming up. And as you point out, then you feel incompetent. And then that makes you maybe makes you try to do the same things even harder, which sometimes they can, can have a reverse effect mm-hmm. rather than being that being healthy. And so it's, part of that's about giving yourself a break mm-hmm. and also uh, giving, giving, giving your daughter a break as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's easier in terms of teaching in, in structured settings. I think it's easier to, to teach somebody else's kids than your own. Yeah. Because there are other there are other dynamics going on in the relationship, and I and I, I really think that uh, that it's, I really have a lot of respect for teachers and the work that they do, and I know for myself, there were times growing up that were I was too rebellious with my parents to listen to what they had to say, but I would listen to a teacher or or another older adult, mm-hmm. so that, to recognize that and. And maybe somebody else can have a better connection in terms of teaching with your daughter and that maybe you could do a better job teaching my kids, you know, or my grandkids, uh, if that makes any sense. No, it it does. I I just wanted to make myself vulnerable with that because, you know, a lot of people aren't working and if if there's other men at home trying to do this new role, play this new role, meet this new requirement and they're struggling, I just kind of want to make that a level ground for us. As, as Absolutely. Obviously, there's a, parents, it's not just, just about men, but but because I'm male, because I'm a man, because I'm a husband and a father and all of these things, I wanted to share how vulnerable I feel, how weak I yes. feel, how incompetent I feel, how lost I feel, so that, yes. other, so that any uh, other uh, whoever might hear this, another, especially another male, would say, okay, I know what that feels like, and it's okay to say it. That's right. That's right. And and you're doing such an important thing by by being vulnerable, Mark. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're giving other people permission mm-hmm. to feel those things and to recognize them and to speak about them. And this is the mo- one of the most important dynamics in working with men is having other men like yourself, Mark, stand up and say this these things publicly, mm-hmm. which helps give them the freedom to understand their own feelings and to accept them. Well, well, it's okay for Mark to feel that. I can feel that too Mm -hmm. and accept that and move beyond that. So Mm -hmm. you're really doing an important service, Mark, by by being vulnerable yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really using your vulnerability to help teach other men. And that's really, I really want to uh, congratulate you on, on doing that. It's very, very important to do. Well, you know, we, we're we all hurting right now, John. Male, female, ch- absolutely. families, pets. Pets seem to be a lot of pets yeah. yes. suffering because their true. families are suffering and mental energy is low and physical energy is low and there's a lot of tension in the air. And uh, I, I noticed some of my, our neighbors have said, hey, my pet, my cat's acting different, my dog's acting different. You know, yeah. Yes. It, it affects all of us. It, it, animals are, 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 we are all animals, but we all feel things and we all feel fear. And we're, and we're, all, we're all feeling that this, this underlying tension. And to be kind to ourselves and to be kind to our family members, I think it's just really so important. Yeah. So if, um, what are some of the things men, in your estimation, because your specialty is men, I know you, you, You've been doing this for 30 years. 
what are some of the not just the warning signs what are some of the things if if a man is trying to feel triggered angry fearful but it obviously comes out as anger what are some of the things they should start making sure they're avoiding well i think one of the most important things to avoid is excessive use of drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. uh, i think that's a, a real danger it's a danger for for violence something we have not talked about yet uh, uh mark is is the issue of suicide mm -hmm which is the other side of that of a violence turned inward mm -hmm. and men at all different age ranges from teenagers to old old guys like me are a much higher risk for suicide that doesn't mean we don't take women's suicide risk seriously but it's, it's just that the men are a very high risk for suicide and for men who are isolated going through something like a pandemic it could even increase their uh potential to be, to be to commit suicide so that's one of the things we really want to keep a close eye on if you know people who are uh, uh, isolated to check in with them call them check check in with them and make sure you know to see how how they are doing mm -hmm. but uh, but being concerned about suicide I think and 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 getting very depressed the other thing about being low we talked earlier about being low energy Mm -hmm. And low energy can also be a sign of depression. Yes. And so if anybody's struggling with motivation, first of all, we want to think about uh, you know, how, the vi how the virus situation is affecting them. But the other thing we want to think about is depression. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I have been more depressed since the virus started. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 it's kind of the new, the new normal for me. It's like my my happiness gauge is lower right now and i'm i'm living at a time period where i have you know more depression than i normally do mm -hmm. so it's very very important to be watching both our aggression yeah our tendency to be aggressive and, and angry and irritable and our the other side of the coin which is depression mm -hmm. being inactive not being able to get to find the energy to do anything not being able to find the energy to reach out to somebody mm -hmm. or to call somebody. Yeah, these are very, very important uh, mm -hmm. uh, warning signs to, to take into. Uh, use of uh, drugs and alcohol, certainly, or excessive use, is certainly uh, something we need, need to be very, very concerned about. Because mm -hmm. that can, as, as our feelings are already magnified anyway, the, uh, uh, the use of drugs and alcohol can take away our normal ability to restrain ourselves from from acting upon our, our impulses mm -hmm. so uh you know sort of sort of to be able to monitor that a lot of times just just kind of being aware of what's going on for us early on when the virus first started uh, i have a sweet tooth addiction <laughs> and uh, i started uh, and my wife and i colluded together <laughs> and we went out and bought sweets every time and we were eating you know licorice uh, cookies uh, candy anything you could think of we were we were eating it and we did that for about three weeks and we hey we can't keep doing this this is this is getting to the point where it's it's, it's unhealthy you know so we're we're gradually reeling that that in you know i i myself i i quit drinking uh drinking alcohol about uh, 25 years ago 25 30 years ago because i recognized i was starting to go down a, a slope you know uh, 
with that. So, mm -hmm. so I had to give that up. And, uh, and now I feel really good about doing that, but it took some time for me to, to try some other things and find other ways where I can loosen up and be relaxed and be comfortable around people that I don't necessarily have to have a drink of alcohol in order to do that. So, uh, so I think looking at those, looking at both our anger and our depression and our drug and alcohol use, I think is, is uh, things you can do immediately. Looking at other, other things, sleep, how well are you sleeping? I hear a lot of reports of people not sleeping well. Mm -hmm. And being able to sleep is kind of a barometer, is also a barometer or a temperature gauge of how, what's going on for us internally. So, so if we're having trouble sleeping, that means we're feeling more anxiety than we're allowing ourselves to be aware of. What about those that might be abusing prescription drugs and or food? Yes, yes. Well, I tried the candy and stuff, and that was great. that was a lot of fun. But uh, <laughs> it, it certainly catches up with you, and and uh, I have some other health issues, so it's not healthy for me to put on put on uh, more pounds. But yes, uh, uh, food is uh, yeah something we we have to watch out for. Uh, the better health, general health we are in, the, the that's the best pr protection to avoiding the virus or avoiding becoming seriously ill. So if anything we should be focused on, it would be keeping ourselves healthy and becoming as healthy as we can. That means exercising, that means maintaining a good diet, uh, uh, that means having a good, good uh, emotional and spiritual diet of, of things we're taking into ourselves mm -hmm. and, and cherishing our relationships and mm -hmm. finding meaning in our lives and finding new, maybe new meanings in our lives as well, new roles and stuff. These are the things that help keep us alive and keep us keep us happy and connected and stuff. Having shows like you're doing really help create a sense of community. Mm -hmm. And you keep reiterating, we're all in this, and it's very true. Mm -hmm. But you, the work you are doing is helping create a sense of community mm -hmm. and helping people feel more connected, which yeah. is crucial to help helping people heal. So that's what I wanted in doing this three-part series on mental health because, you know, for those that will watch this, you know, we don't all come from uh, Hollywood stories. Some of us come from really difficult places. We come from yes. hard lives. We've suffered. Yes. Yeah, yes. My father died when I was seven. He was 39. He died of a, he had a heart attack and then he had a stroke and then you know, my mother drowned when I was 10 and flash flooding and grew up in different homes. And I mean, I could give you a list, you know, have to have been through a divorce, buried a child, had a child, an adult child has been to prison four times. He's back out struggling with his addictions. And, and, you know, life is hard for us all. Yes. And we are all taking something on in some form or fashion in some area sometimes in more areas at once and we're all trying to navigate the difficulties that could be health that could be financial that could be relational that could be emotional or spiritual or a little bit of each yes and so i think it's important i wanted to have these conversations to normalize this conversation yeah absolutely to stop acting like we all have it together when we don't to stop right. acting like we know it all when we don't to That's right. Cast off this this psychological burden we put on ourselves about 
what success is, what sex, success looks like, you know, what are these characteristics of being dynamic and all of these other things. Yes. I'm hopeful that post-pandemic, when this is all said and done, that it has been good for mankind, that it has been good for us to look at our vulnerabilities and say, man, I'm glad I went through that because I sure had to admit a lot of hard things that I was never going to talk about before. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and again, you're, you're modeling vulnerability. And, and I think being aware of our vulnerabilities is what's going to make us a stronger society and world, really, and, and better people. Just one small point I wanted to go back to that you mentioned that remind, reminded me of something I have not said yet, is that uh, new traumatic events trigger memories of old trauma. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this goes with grief as well. So with a pandemic, it being a, tra- a traumatic event, it is bringing up old traumas for people. Mm-hmm. So if you had a loss or, or, or a tragedy or a traumatic event 10 years ago or 20 years ago, the current virus situation probably is going to pull on those feelings. Mm-hmm. So you're going to feel those, mem- those old feelings they're going to come up and they're going to feel stronger mm-hmm. right now while we're going through this. So it's, it's real important to, to do that. Uh, the other feeling we didn't talk about as too much is grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And you brought this up, Mark, and your description of your life of all the losses that all of us have experienced to one degree or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the importance of being able to acknowledge those losses mm-hmm. and to find ways to, to grieve for them in healthy ways. I, you know, I lost my brother uh, 30 years ago now, and I still grieve over his lo- his death. Mm-hmm. And I keep looking for ways to, to express my grief mm-hmm. and my appreciation of him. And it's so important, it's so important to do and to continue to look for ways in which we can grieve those losses and, and express that, those, those feelings. In, in ways that are healthy for us mm-hmm. and for others. I think that's really important. I think it's important that we say out loud that we're all grieving something right now. We, we're oh, absolutely. all losing something. We're all having to navigate this sense of everything's going to be different now. Um, there's this concept of new normal. People like that, that identifying characteristics. Some don't. We are all going to be in a tremendous cycle of grief for some time, either yes. directly or indirectly, because our loved ones, our friends, and neighbors around us, nothing is going to be the same. School years are lost. College years are lost. Yes. Businesses are going to be have lost. A couple of uh, last month, someone, you know, I'm a former pastor, so someone reached out to me to pray for someone whose daughter went into the hospital at OHSU pregnant. The family couldn't go because of the quarantine. She has a complication in birth. Her and the baby both die. Hello. Wow. You know, wow. and and that's that's just one of many tragic. My wife's uh, grandmother died of COVID nineteen in Washington State. And wow. there, there's just this massive grief that we're all feeling, and and I think it's important to say we're all losing something right here, right now. 
in some Absolutely. fashion, and we can't deny it and act like it isn't real and 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 presume that there's not going to be any negative effect for society as a whole because there is. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. I agree with you totally. So, and our, our, and our society does not does not do a good job of handling grief mm -hmm. or accepting those feelings as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this hopefully this will be a time period where we can, as a society, learn to accept the importance of grief and to be able to find healthier ways to express this. So, John, if someone feels like they need help, especially men that hear this, how can they get a hold of you and the work that you do? Uh, I encourage anybody to uh, to call me uh, at uh, 541-206-8319. 541-206-8319. And I'd be glad to uh, talk to anybody and try to, and if I couldn't be of help to them with our current services, I'd be happy to uh, help them find other other ways or other places where they could receive the help that, that they need. Right now, we have two men's groups running, and we're running them right now online. Uh, and as people get together on uh, Monday night or Thursday night, I can if, if, if people uh, will call me, I'll give you more details of that. Okay. But, but these are groups where men get together and talk about all the different things that affect their lives. And we're there and we also try to support each other Very as we good. go through this. Very good. All right, so everyone, thank you. Uh, we've had with us John Davies, PhD. He is a board member on the Center for Community Counseling, has been a volunteer there for quite some time. He is a founder of the Oregon's Men's Center and McKenzie River Men's Center in Eugene. And the mission of both of these centers are to help men lead healthier lives and reduce violence, particularly violence uh, uh, towards women. So John, we thank you for your life work. Thank you for making these resources available to our community. Thank you for your time today and for your support. And any final words of encouragement you'd like to offer to anyone in this uh, time of pandemic? First of all, let me say thank you for doing this, this show. I think it's, it's really extremely important that you're doing this. And I really appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable as a way of teaching others. I, I think it's really admirable that you're doing this. Uh, second of all, I, uh, we are going to get through this. I'm very hopeful. Uh, it's, it's going to be painful, but we're going to get through this. We're going to survive and, and make it. So uh, the, the other kind of words of wisdom I'd say is be thinking about what does, what do you, what does your family and what does your community need from you and focus on how we can help support ourselves, our family, and our communities and i think that's what being a man is really all about is being able to be flexible and to change our roles to whatever is required at that particular time and we're in a very unique situation where many of the roles that we've handled previously are not needed right now and other roles are so to be able to be flexible and to try our best as we change roles and try to help our, our, ourselves, our family, and our community. And I think we're gonna come up on, on top of this. So thank you, Mark, for having me.
Very good. Well, thank you, uh, Jonathan Davies, for your time, and we look forward to reconnecting with you on some on your specific work a little bit in the future. Thank you to you and your other board members that volunteer their time for at the Center of Community Counseling to help those that are in need and, and need that kind of support. Thank you. Right. Have a good day. You too.